Hello and welcome to Books by Old Dead Guys. I am Scott. And I'm David. And this is episode 46 as we are reading together. Uh, David, we have been reading through Charles Spurgeon's lectures to my students, but one particular chapter. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so the chapter we've been reading is called The Minister's Fainting Fits, and it's Spurgeon's look and Spurgeon's uh, advice to young ministers in his class on seasons of melancholy, seasons of sorrow in the life of the minister. And so he's had a lot to say about sorrow itself, not just not just in the minister's life, though he's he's kind of looking specifically at that kind of as an example, um, but really sorrow in general. Uh, so he's been, at the last couple of episodes, we've been walking through uh, the various uh, things that can bring about, that can stir up mm-hmm. uh, depression, sorrow in the life uh, of the minister. And so uh, we've been moving through those, and, and now we're going to, uh, Lord willing, finish out this chapter. And so, Scott, if you will, take us away. Here we go. So there's two paragraphs left. I'll read the short one. We'll stop and then we'll read the long one at the end. By all the casting down of his servants, God is glorified, for they are led to magnify him when again he sets them on their feet. And even while prostrate in the dust, their faith yields him praise. They speak all the more sweetly of his faithfulness and are the more firmly established in his love. Such mature men, as some elderly preachers are, could scarcely have been produced if they had not been emptied from vessel to vessel and made to see their own emptiness and the vanity of the things round about them. Glory be to God for the furnace, the hammer, and the file. Heaven shall be all the fuller of bliss because we have been filled with anguish here below and earth shall be better tilled because of our training in the school of adversity. Mm. So Spurgeon here highlights how these seasons of sorrow and seasons of depression, one, bring God glory, that in the midst of all this, our our faith, our obedience, our uh, continual pursuit in the midst of all this brings God glory. Mm. And also he, he talks about such mature men that that there's a maturity that comes from moving through these things there's a there's a a a spiritual growth that happens as we move through these tribulations and these difficulties yep and we i mean i think of all the times we see this in the scriptures you know i think about the life of joseph mm-hmm. That the Lord saw fit to bring Joseph through years of suffering mm-hmm. at the hands of others before finally him being exalted before right. Pharaoh. Right. Like, you know, I, I think about I think about Paul constantly being chased out of city after city, enduring uh, beatings and lashings one upon another, of constantly you know shipwrecked, you know, facing all these tribulations. And the Lord using those mm. to advance his kingdom, mm-hmm. to, to spread the gospel mm-hmm. across the known world, you know, to, to work in the life of Paul, even as he's, you know, even as he's in the middle of the ocean shipwrecked. Yeah, as he would say in 2 Corinthians, despairing to the point of death. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, he, he talks about these mature men. I'm sure he has some of these elderly preachers in mind that he knows personally that 
He's heard stories of them walking through these times of life and being grown by them, mm-hmm. that making them being made to see their own emptiness and the vanity of all the things around them was what part of what fostered that maturity and growth in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen that happen in my own life. I've seen in so many ways how any any time of suffering, you know, I can mark four or five times in my walk with the Lord that I would look back now and say that was a season of sorrow or suffering or difficulty. Sometimes physical, sometimes circumstantial, sometimes simply emotional. And at all those times you walk out different than you walked in. It's why we made reference to this just a few weeks ago. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book, uh, Spiritual Depression, he references sorrow and depression as God's gymnasium. Uh, it's the place where he takes you to make you stronger, to mm-hmm. make you. And by stronger, I don't mean more more physically capable apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean more conformed to the image of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of that gymnasium. And you can you can see that as you, as you kind of walk through it and come out the other side. Yeah. yeah. Heaven shall be fuller of bliss because we have been filled with the anguish yeah. here below. Yeah. Yeah. The the calm shall be the better yeah. for the storms that we endured. endured. Yeah. The end of Christ is sure and steady anchor, which is my favorite song we sing here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. One more paragraph. And here's what it says. The lesson of wisdom is be not dismayed by soul trouble. Count it no strange thing but a part of the ordinary ministerial experience. Should the power of depression be more than ordinary, think not that all is over with your usefulness. Cast not away your confidence, for it hath great recompense of reward. Even if the enemy's foot be on your neck, expect to rise and overthrow him. Cast the burden of the present, along with the sin of the past and the fear of the future, upon the Lord, who forsaketh not his saints. Live by the day, a by the hour. Put no trust in frames and feelings. Care more for a grain of faith than a ton of excitement. Mm. Trust in God alone and lead not on the reeds of human help. Be not surprised when friends fail you. It is a failing world. Never count upon immutability in man. Inconstancy you may reckon upon without fear of disappointment. The disciples of Jesus forsook him. Be not amazed. If your adherents wander away to other teachers, as they were not your adherent, as, as they were not your all when with you, all is not gone from you with their departure. Serve God with all your might while the candle is burning, and then when it goes out for a season, you will have less to regret. Be content to be nothing, for that is what you are. When your own emptiness is painfully forced upon your consciousness, chide yourself that you ever dreamed of being full except in the Lord. Set small store by present rewards. Be grateful for earnests, by the way, but look for the recompensing joy hereafter. Continue with double earnestness to serve your Lord when no visible result is before you. Any simpleton can follow the narrow path in the light. Faith's rare wisdom enables us to march on in the dark with infallible accuracy since she places her hands in that of her great God. Between this and heaven, there may be rougher weather yet, but it is all provided for by our covenant head. In nothing, let us be turned aside from the path which the divine call has urged us to pursue. Come fair or come foul, the pulpit is our watchtower, 
and the ministry our warfare. Be it ours, when we cannot see the face of our God, to trust under the shadow of his wings. Mm. That guy can write. <laughs> I just wish I could write like that. Yeah. Yeah, so he, you know, he starts off that paragraph with, it is normal yes. to experience these things in ministry. Yes. It is, it is ordinary, normal. You should, you know, I, I can see... I can see Spurgeon sitting in front of a, a classroom full of, of young, aspiring ministers and telling them, you should expect this. And if any of those young, aspiring ministers were like me when I was a young, aspiring minister, they probably looked at him and thought, no, I'm not. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, right. That's not going to be me. Like, how could the thing that I'm so excited about doing be such a cause of sorrow? Yeah, and, and- which is... Which is such a, I love where he says in here, care more for a grain of faith than a ton of excitement. Than a ton of excitement. Yes. Care more for a grain of faith than yeah. a ton of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, he, and he continues with, not just is it normal, but should the power of, of your depression, if you experience this depression even more than what would be considered normal or ordinary, that does not mean that you are no longer useful in ministry. Boy, that's the word. And that is the word that I needed to read right at the moment that I read it. Um, Literally, I just, you know, God uses his word to accomplish his work. Sometimes he uses the testimony of of the saints who kind of come before you, which is why we do this whole thing. There are Mm -hmm. so many good books. There's so much good wisdom stored up in these guys and and their walk with the Lord. And I can I was sitting in my chair in my house and I read that and I can remember thinking earlier in the day, like who who how could I possibly how can you possibly pastor a church when you're depressed? Like those things seem incompatible on the outside. And they probably seem incompatible to many people, but Spurgeon would argue and there and and I believe he's right, those things are not incompatible mm. with God. Mm. You know, that, that you're not, you're not done, right? What, think that not as all, think not that all's over with your usefulness. Cast not away your confidence for that great recompense of reward. My confidence is not in me or my emotions or in my feelings or even in my own faith. My confidence is in Christ. And, and, and I can say, I mean, truly the, the most incredible, the most watched sermon series that we have preached in this church on YouTube has been the eight-week series on depression. Hmm. The most comments I have gotten from people both within this church and outside of this church about the sermons have been these sermons. I don't think it's so much because I've done a great job of preaching them as it is that the Lord has seen fit to use the sorrow in the life of one of his saints to exalt himself and edify the saints around him. You know, and, and to some degree in his mercy, I needed to hear that. You know, I can, the first time after I really crashed, the first time I taught, um, I taught children for a quip class and, uh, and, and it sounds ridiculous to say, but it's true. And I, and I enjoy doing it. And your wife and my wife were sitting in there and they were watching and listening. And there was this moment about 10, maybe 15 minutes into the teaching that, that was like the Holy Spirit and spoke to my soul, I don't know how else to say that, and said, you can still do this. Mm-hmm. You can still do this. Like, I've made you to do this, and so go mm-hmm. do it. 
And, and you need, you know, there's those little moments of grace that, that you need to hear and be reminded. And, and the whole purpose of this protracted pause is literally to say, if you're, if you're particularly in ministry, probably also in leadership, and you deal with depression on a regular basis, or you've never had, you've never dealt with it before, and it may be even more practical. You've never dealt with it before, and now you're like way down in the depths. The, the first thoughts that are prone to come to your mind are, I must be done. Hear the words of Spurgeon that that does not necessarily mean you're done. Now, should you take a break? Probably. Yeah. And, and I needed to. You know, I, I told, I told um, one of my mentors in ministry, I scheduled my sabbatical for September, and I actually ended up taking it in May. That's kind of how it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was it was a, and it's not that I didn't take the time off. I had time off in September, but it wasn't it wasn't I wasn't quite to the point that I needed the rest that I was able to get. You know, by the, by the graces of this church, they have been incredibly incredibly patient with me, and I'm very thankful for that. But it was a needed time to just stop. So maybe you do need to stop for a short time. Mm-hmm. But don't let that that knowledge that you need to stop and rest now somehow lead you to believe that that means that you're done and you don't. You just need to walk away from it. Hmm. You know, I thought that a thousand times. Yeah. And it's just not true. But you feel worthless. Yeah. Totally worthless. Yeah. And Spurgeon, you know, of Spurgeon says, be content to be nothing. For that is what you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's okay. You know, Mark Halleck, one of, one of my buddies, says the role of the preacher is to preach, die, and be forgotten. Mm. That's your job. That's your job. So it shouldn't surprise you. <laughs> if that's what happens. If that's what happens. Yeah. Because that's what you signed on for. Yeah. And I mean, Spurgeon writes this and, and, and teaches this as someone who consistently dealt with these times yes. of sorrow. Consistently yes. dealt with seasons of depression. So when he says, you know, your usefulness is not over, you know, he stands as someone who whose usefulness definitely wasn't was ended yeah. by this season of depression, by, yeah. by the, the times of sorrow he went through. And it's worth, I think we said that in the first episode, and I don't know that we've come back to it enough, so I think that's a really good point, David, of he's speaking from firsthand experience here. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, by the end of his ministry, he'd have to just go away, you know, because London's apparently a miserable, foggy place. And, uh, <laughs> and so he would... He would have to go away to the coast and be in the sunshine, and he'd spend six or eight weeks, mm. you know, away from London, because he needed to do that in order to minister. And that comes back to understanding your own limits, understanding your own weaknesses, and getting a grasp for this is what I need to do in order to appropriately minister in the long haul. You mm-hmm. know, I, you, you, the body takes the toll, keeps the score. Right, my my avoidance, my my not understanding when I need to rest, when I need to disengage, will ultimately have its effect on you. And so, yeah, I it, this has just been it's been a helpful chapter for me, and I hope it's been a helpful chapter for the listener. But this was a was a lifeline for me because he puts it, you know, like dead in the center of the book. Like you, you know, you're yeah. just you're just getting through all of this kind of practical ministry stuff, and then he, he stops and he goes, it's always like he goes, oh yeah. Here's the thing. So yeah, so we're changing, we're shifting gears um, for our next um, time together. We should be, Lord willing, beginning a whole new book uh, that uh, that we picked purposefully 
because neither of us have ever read it before. Uh, it is a book by a Puritan named Thomas Brooks. Uh, the name of the book is Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices, uh, which is a cool name. The name gets your attention, right? <laughs> yes, it does. Um, the, the book is on, it's on, it's on a common theme of, uh, of the Puritans, apparently, which is of killing sin. But, but Brooks was a very gentle Puritan mm. writer. We get this impression from the Puritans. Now, I've read Brooks before, but I've never read this one. But I imagine it's going to be the same. We get the impression of the, the quote-unquote Puritans as these harsh people mm. who are constantly just kind of beating you about the head and shoulders with yeah. something. Bam, and, bamming on the podium and, and some yelling, of them are, yelling and screaming. You know, I'm thinking of like a John Owen, you know, <laughs> but, but you know, or Jonathan Edwards for that matter. Um, but many times, like a Richard Sibbs or Thomas Brooks or J.C. Ryle for that matter, they're, they're clear and they're pastoral in the writing. And everything that I've read about this book is that is precisely what this is. Kind of a clear and pastoral call to understanding uh, killing sin as spiritual warfare, which mm-hmm. seems like a very practical book mm-hmm. for all of us. You know, mm-hmm. really, 46 now episodes in, mm-hmm. a lot of what we've talked about has been for the benefit of us in ministry. And then as a kind of an outworking of that, hopefully been a benefit to, uh, to the listener as well. Kind of opens a window into our world and also helps you think about yours. But this one is going to be really a, this is every Christian and how all believers can practically apply this stuff. And so I'm I'm actually really excited about this. Yeah, me too. Partly because, like we said, I've never read it. And so we're going to be learning literally as we're doing the podcast. We're not going to read ahead. No. We're going to read little sections at a time, and we're going to stop and talk about them, and all of us will learn it together, which I think is really cool because who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows what Thomas Brooks has to say. It should definitely be exciting. Yeah. But that's all we know. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to next week. I hope you are. Yep. And uh, if you could, if you would share with your friends on, on any kind of social media platform, if you know someone or, or think you know someone who, who might benefit from these podcasts, uh, you know, send it to them, yep. point them our way. We, we always appreciate that. Yep. Feel free to review any of, uh, in any of the areas, any of the podcast platforms that allow it. Yep. Uh, if any of you happen to be employed by Apple. <laughs> If you would let them know that we really need them to approve our podcast for yeah. our podcast, we would appreciate that. We could use your help on that. That'd yeah. be helpful. Apple we're employees. St- we're stuck in Apple purgatory. Mm. So, mm. But yeah, so uh, we'll see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>